Are you registered for Culture Proof Conference 2024? Well, you need to get registered today. We are super excited about our first ever conference that's coming to Faith Baptist in Bartlett, Tennessee. Yes, July 18th through the 20th. And we're open, wide open. So go to cultureproof.net right now and register. Yeah, that's right. And I say the first ever conference. It's the first ever Culture Proof Conference. But everything that you love about the types of conferences that the Addisons produce all remains intact. Some of our speakers this year include the incredible Dr. Kathy Cook. Abraham Hamilton III. Dr. Renton Rathbun. Dr. Lee Brand. And Israel Wayne. And not to mention our extraordinary Culture Proof Kids and Teens tracks facilitated by Maria Hamilton. The third. And Mark and Amy (laughs) Warren. You're going to want to make sure you register. When registration fills up for those tracks, the kids tracks, we close them down because we want our classrooms to be functional and we want our kids to get the most out of those classrooms. All right, question. Mm-hmm. Is functional a word? No, probably not. So fu- functional. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, that's all right. I just want to, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Oh, don't let her do it. Oh, Lord. Um, when you don't have a red line in your brain, you're just going to leave it. Okay. We want to see you in Bartlett, Tennessee at Faith Baptist Church, July 18th through the 20th. That's right. Go to cultureproof.net. Culture Proof is brought to you by BJU Press Homeschool. If you've come to homeschooling or you're thinking of homeschooling to preserve a solid biblical worldview in your children, you should consider the curriculum we trust to help with biblical worldview formation. BJU Press Homeschool is here for you and with you as you center Christ in the education of your kids. Visit our friends today at BJUPressHomeschool.com. That's BJUPressHomeschool.com, the premier sponsor of the Culture Proof podcast. Thanks for listening to Culture Proof. I'm Miki. And I'm Will. And this is a part two of a conversation we are having about the difference between something being difficult to understand and something just being confusing. Yeah. Um, the Bible says that God is not the God of confusion. And the thing that is encouraging to me about that is that it is linked to his character and his nature, right? That it is not of God for there to be confusion. Um, but the Bible does say that there are things in scripture that are different difficult to understand Mm. that you've got unstable men who twist those things that are difficult to understand. And one Mm. of the things that we wanted to highlight is that there is a necessary distinction that has to be made between confusion and difficult to understand. Mm -hmm. Um, One, you can clearly understand to be opposite or against the character and the nature of God. And the other, just a reality that we are not God. So there are are going to be things that are difficult for us to understand. Yeah. And we're living in a time of confusion. It's it's like palpable. You can feel it, you know, everywhere. Like even when we're talking about some of these issues that we're talking about of the day, Mm -hmm. man, there's so much confusion even in talking about them because you're like, wait, I don't want to say this and I want to, I'm not trying to, you know, it's almost like you try, you're trying to talk about 
about it, but it, you're in your mind correcting certain things that mm-hmm. you know are wrong. It's just confusion. And it's amazing to me that I know my grandparents, if they ever thought we were talking about stuff like that, that we're talking about today, they would be like, no, that would never happen. Mm. This is not, we have gone so far. It's because, you know, the, the, that there's no fear of God in, in, in yeah. our eyes, you yeah. know, it's a thing of, you know, there's a lack of holiness. And the most egregious thing is that the church and many uh, parts of the church are, are bowing down to these things as yes. well. We see it. We see movements within the church to affirm, you know, activity that's an abomination to God. Yeah. And so it's like the, all that stuff brings about confusion, mm-hmm. I believe, to others who are maybe baby Christians and, and onlookers. Yes. Why would they want to be any different if we're doing the same thing? It's yeah. confusing to them. And that's not the that's not what we're supposed to be presenting as the body of Christ. Yeah, I think it shows a rejection of God's word um, in measurable ways. Like when we start having questions about, you know, can we lie to people? To be winsome, like that's and that when shows did being winsome become like the ultimate thing? Now, like yeah, that's yeah. you know, it's almost like you have these words like I'm just trying to be winsome. Oh, these things are so nuanced. Like we're trying to be so like intelligent about certain things that are so basic mm-hmm. from the scripture, you know, and we feel like we have to be winsome and and all that kind of stuff to that the world would kind of like uh, like us. Well, what would you say if a person were to respond to you and say, "Well, the Bible says that he who wins souls is wise." So when I say that I want to be winsome, I mean I want to win souls, and so I have an eternal focus in operating the way yeah. that I operate. I would say the Bible shows us how to win souls and mm. it's not through being winsome. I mean, even the apostle Paul, even in preaching the gospel and preaching to different places said that he toned down his being winsome so that he can, so that, you know, the, the gospel message can be clearly understood. Now mm-hmm. it didn't say that he was uh, acting ignorantly and it's, right. and, but at the same time, it wasn't about how he can be winsome or do this or do that. Even he was being wise. There's a difference between yeah. being winsome, especially how they're talking about it uh, today, because I don't think being winsome is a bad thing, mm-hmm. but how it's being framed in the conversation today. It's like laying down the scripture in order to be, in, be winsome. Mm. Like, that's Which no, is unwise. It's unwise. And, and it's, it causes confusion. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think it's really good that you bring up the scripture that he who wins souls is wise, or maybe I brought it up, but mm-hmm. I'm just thinking about that in the context of the apostle Paul operating with a tremendous wisdom. amount of wisdom, knowing who his audience was, knowing who he was talking to. But I think the thing that's missing in our attempts to paint our winsomeness as wisdom, what's missing is the hard and fast presentation of the gospel. Like the apostle Paul never compromise the truth of God's word, even as he was winning souls and meeting people where they were. Yeah. Getting away from the scriptures is not being winsome. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's it's not being wise. It's not being winsome. Getting away from the scripture causes confusion. Yeah. You know, and even uh, getting away from the scripture causes a twisting of the scriptures. Yeah. You know, uh, like, like Peter said, that causes even more confusion. Mm-hmm. And so that we, we see that happening today. I was listening to a podcast um, the other night, and um, I can't remember the gentleman who's come under attack because of taking a, a biblical stance, a, a hard stance on sexual ethic and on design. Mm-hmm. And he 
is, I guess, in some ways coming under attack because of that. And I forget this guy's name, um, which is unfortunate, but he said something that really just struck me. And I, I stopped for a second to just think and process what he said. He's he basically he said he was not going to um, quit talking about the truth of how men and women are different and how design is, you know, basically of the Lord. Um, and then then he said this in all of the attempts to cancel him because he is telling the truth. He said that this world cannot take anything from me that I am unwilling to give. Mm. Well, <laughs> now I, I paused when I heard that because I thought, whoa, mm. isn't that the fear? Like, isn't that the fear mm. that when we tell the truth, aren't we afraid that the world is going to take something away from us that we want, that uh, we desperately are trying to hold on to? You know, and that's why I think the teaching and the doctrine that we find in the Bible of Christians being alien, aliens and foreigners in this land is mm -hmm. so important. Not being of the because if you if you're operating as an ambassador for Christ, mm -hmm. if you're operating as a sojourner, you know a person that don't uh, this is not the final yes. resting place, then that's not an issue. That's right. That's not going to be an issue. Like they they can never take anything away from you because you you haven't given yourself to this world. I think what happens though, uh, man, a lot of Christians have taken uh, that position, you know, because they feel like they, they have something to hold on to in this yes. world. And I would say, and you know, it's where we live in America, it's pronounced. It's so pronounced. Like we, we have these things that we want to hold on to the reputation or the, the, the uh, wealth or whatever we have, you yes. know, we don't want that to be taken away of being seen in society a certain type of way. Man, that should not even be named among us. Right. We should be, oh, no, you know, I'm an alien and a foreigner in this land, but when you're not, then some, something can be taken away. Yeah. I think that's the fear, you know, people, we don't say it, but we are afraid um, to be personally canceled. It has nothing to do with the public cancellations that we see all the time. We have a fear of losing our personal comfort, right? And sometimes mm. at a very basic level, that personal comfort is just to be well-liked. It's yeah. that people would sing your praises. That's it's right. that people would invite you to events, that you would be on the marquees of people's you know, conferences and all of those things that you know, you'd be invited to the family gatherings. And so I think though, when you love those things, you are unwilling to be um, acquainted with the way of Jesus, right? Like you, you are unwilling to, to associate with the suffering of Jesus. And the Bible is very clear that Jesus suffered, leaving us an example of how we are to suffer. Right. Like he showed us how to suffer by suffering, right. to be rejected by his family. I mean, you know, people look at James and they look at Jude and they're like, oh man, look at the half brothers of Jesus, you know, writing scripture and everything. Yeah, but it was his resurrection that won them over. Right. <laughs> like, right. let's just remember, like, let's remember they were... <laughs> Praise the Lord. But let's remember that they were late to the party, right? Like, I mean, he was rejected by them. It's like, you know, there goes our brother again with the whole like God complex, right? <laughs> but praise God that they were won over by the reality that he rose again from mm. the dead mm. and that they were eyewitnesses of that. But can I tell you that that is suffering? Like, we don't think of that as suffering. I think we deceive ourselves when we only see the suffering of Jesus as hanging on the cross. Mm -hmm. Yes, that is absolutely, oh my goodness, that is suffering. But can we also see the suffering of Jesus and being rejected by his family? 
Can we see the suffering of Jesus and being persecuted and being ridiculed by man that he made? Can, mm. can we can we see the suffering of Jesus in that way? I think we're unwilling to see that because then we would have to acquaint ourselves with that way of suffering. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I mean, <laughs> that's a very powerful picture that you, that you just painted there. You know, suffering goes beyond uh, the crucifixion, although that was suffering, mm -hmm. you know. But man, being uh, rejected by men, his family, you know, um, and for them not believing in who he was, you know, th those type of things matter as well. And I think as Christians, we got to understand because Jesus did suffer, like like you said, you quoted the scripture, he's given us an example of what we're going to go through. Yeah. He's the teacher. You know, he's the one that came before and showed us how to do this thing. And we have to understand that we're going to have the same type of uh, thing in our lives. So Carl Truman is a brilliant thinker, brilliant philosopher, um, brilliant writer, brilliant communicator. Simply put, Carl Truman is pretty brilliant, right? Mm -hmm. um, but even as I, I read his piece, um, I guess a few days ago, and, and I, I want to uh, quote from it or read from it today, um, I was thinking, you know, I don't have his accent and I don't have his degrees, but I can arrive at his conclusions by just reading the word of God. Amen. I can arrive at his conclusions about human sexuality and about how we can or cannot attend um, what is called a marriage or a wedding um, of two people of the same sex. I, I can arrive at a biblical conclusion by just reading God's word. Now, I may not say it as, you know, Carl Truman would say it, but if I'm reading the same Bible that Carl Truman is reading, then I should say the same thing that Carl Truman is saying. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the confidence that we have in God's word. So I wanted to get into a piece that he wrote. Um, and the title of the piece was, Can Christians Attend Gay Weddings? Mm -hmm. And I want to read just a little bit of this and, and think about how could we arrive at this place if we were just reading God's word? Now, look, please know, I love great Christian philosophers. I love great Christian thinkers. I love people who help us put into words what we know to be true in God's word. I love that. So please don't hear me knocking any of that. Um, I think people who know me well would know that I would never do that. Um, but what I am trying to do is I'm trying to encourage a trust in the reliability of scripture. I'm trying to encourage that we would know that the scriptures are written um, on a level that we ourselves can access the truths in it. Like we can access the truth in God's words. Hey, if you're listening to this podcast and you are enjoying what you hear, please remember to give it a rating or to leave a comment. Let people know that this podcast is a blessing to you. It helps to grow Culture Proof and we would be so grateful. Also, if you love Culture Proof and you want to support the ministry, why not pick up some merch and look good while you support the ministry of Culture Proof? Check out every podcast. You'll find a link in the description to where you can get your Culture Proof merch and support this ministry. We appreciate it. Here is Carl Truman's piece. This was over at the Christian Post. Um, it may have been originally um, posted at First Things, but I found it at the Christian Post. And so here we go. I'm just going to start reading here um, a couple paragraphs in. Carl Truman writes this, the sexual revolution has revolutionized everything to the point where questions that once had simple answers have become complicated. For instance, the question, can I attend a gay wedding, comes up with increasing frequency and is proving less and less easy to answer, as Bethel McGrew's closing paragraphs in her recent World column indicate. 
It is not hard to guess what reasons a Christian might give for attending a gay wedding, a desire to indicate to the couple that one does not hate them or a wish to avoid causing offense or hurt. But if either decisive weight is in the decision, if either carries decisive weight in the decision, then something has gone awry. In other words, if your aim to not hurt or offend, if your aim to show love carries weight in the decision you make on a moral and ethical issue, then that's wrong. Mm -hmm. Like that's mm -hmm. not our, that's not our driving force, Right. but that has become the height of our driving force in our culture today. Does it show love? Mm -hmm. Does it does it communicate something that's going to um, aid in people's feelings of well-being? Right. In other words, to say it simply, will this make them happy? Yeah. Will this yeah. make them happy? If that is what drives our engagement, then we are failing the people that we purport to love. Right. Loving people does not mean that we always make them happy or that we set happiness as our chief aim mm. as we engage with them. Yeah, and the pressure to um, show yourself to be loving by acceptance is something that has pushed uh, onto the church from the culture because you don't find that in the mm. Word of God. If we if we just adhere strictly to what the Bible says about what love is, mm -hmm. then we wouldn't have these issues that we're dealing with of, of showing love by affirming. That's right. We wouldn't at all because we know that the Bible would show us that telling the truth you tell the truth in love, mm -hmm. you know, you, you, it, it is truth. And so the thing is, when we have these questions, it is a, a outflow of the culture press, pressing in on the body of Christ. Yes. There's no other answer for that, because um, if we stick to the Bible, we don't have that pressure. Yes. We're like, no, we're just sticking to the scripture. We're just gonna, we're just saying what the Bible says, mm -hmm. period. You Amen. know, and so what we have allowed to happen is that the pressure from the outside to really penetrate within the church to cause there to be questions on the inside. Like, man, you know, I'm trying to be loving. I'm trying not to offend. Yes. Man, that has nothing to do with it. We have to be truthful in love and, and telling the truth is loving. Which, think about it. I mean, and I hate to, to invite us to think as our common enemy would, but isn't that something that you would be invested in doing, that you would want to take um, the Christian's command to love and you'd want to twist that into um, holding back the truth? Hmm. Because if you, if you exalt that and you say, okay, well, they will know we are Christians by our love that we have for one another. But then you say, but telling the truth of scripture is unloving. Mm-hmm. Right now, you have met, you've caused confusion because it yeah. feels like there's some kind of conflict when really there is not a conflict because we speak the truth in love. Right. This is this is how that's, people will know that we are Christians. That's the biblical standard, and like I said, that this is why we have to be culture proof mm -hmm. because that has come from the outside that's and right. penetrated within uh, within the church. Amen. Back to this Carl Truman piece here: a refusal to attend. Talking about whether or not Christians can attend gay weddings. That's the title of the piece. A refusal to attend might well be motivated by hatred of the couple. Though in such circumstances, an invitation would seem an unlikely event. In True. other words, <laughs> if they thought you hated them, they right. would not have invited you to their wedding. Right. Now, guys, that's profound. But just can you say a lot on that for a second? Yeah. Because the enemy has trafficked in the lie of you are unloving if you tell the truth. Mm. Okay. But can we just say if a person is inviting you, I cannot think of a person that I dislike, let alone hate. Okay. I don't hate <laughs> anybody. Right. At least not today. No, I'm kidding. But can you think of a person that you dislike that you would invite to your wedding? Look, you drop people from your Christmas card list 
because they look at you sideways. <laughs> you mean to tell me that a person that you think dislikes you or hates you, you're inviting them to the wedding? This <laughs> That question alone tells you that there is a different motivation mm. here. Right. Mm -hmm. That we need to be motivated differently. And the people who are inviting us are also motivated differently. OK, so back to this piece. It doesn't have to be so to consider a declined invitation necessarily a sign of hatred is to adopt the notion of hate as a mere refusal to affirm. Mm -hmm. So hate is my refusal to affirm. Guys, this this is what we are saying, and this is what we actually reaffirm. We reaffirm this lie when we give in and say, oh, well, you should just go attend. Mm. We are saying, actually, yeah, you're right. It is hateful for me not to affirm you, so let me go. Yeah. That's wrong. We Okay, <laughs> so, so back to this piece here. That is our secular age's understanding and not that of the Christian faith. A refusal to attend might also cause offense, but to make the giving of offense itself into a moral category is to replace moral categories of right and wrong with aesthetic categories of taste. The latter <laughs> should always be subordinate to the former in the realm of ethical questions. Wow. Yeah. Again, we have to make sure that we're anchored by what we believe in scripture, not Amen. by what the culture is pushing, not by, you know, what we have a, a feeling or inclination towards, because those things are are fluffy. Like they're not, they're not solid. Like the word of God to me, you know, as, as I'm listening to this man, very well put, very well thought out. You know, he's simply saying the Bible is a straight edge. Go to the word of God. You know, it doesn't, not your feelings, not your feelings. Not your uh, our feelings should not lead us, you know, but the, the word of God should. And, and again, I will reiterate that this is not an easy thing. No. You know, it's, it's, it's hard to do, especially when you get into the realm of family members yeah. and people that are very, very close to you. It's not an easy thing. But at the same time, living for God is not going to be easy all the time. That's right. And we have a mandate from, from God, you know, to adhere to the word of God. That's right. The question has to be, is Jesus worthy? And he is. Is, is Jesus worthy? And yes, he absolutely is. Mm. Back to this article. There are also obvious reasons why a Christian should never attend a gay wedding. Many wedding liturgies, including that of the Book of Common Prayer, require the officiant to ask early in the service <laughs> if anyone present knows any reason why the couple should not be joined together in matrimony. Remember these days? Okay. <laughs> a Christian is at that point obliged to speak up. Mm. I would hazard a guess that such an intervention would be far more offensive than simply refusing to be at the service. I agree. <laughs> I mean, that would make even more of a, a, a spectacle of things yes. if you if you go and then you so you're gonna go with the I intention object. of objecting. I mean, yeah. Why not go? Just don't go. You know, yeah, that would make a more of a spectacle of things by doing that. The issue can also <laughs> not be separated from the broader question of sex, gender and human nature. Mm. If marriage is rooted in the complementarity of the sexes, then any marriage that denies that challenges the Christian understanding of creation. It challenges mm. the Christian understanding of creation. Yep. It is one thing for the world to do that. It is quite another for Christians to acquiesce in the same. Further, Truman continues, the biblical analogy between Christ and the church means that fake marriages are a mockery of Christ Come himself. On. So clear. Like, yeah, I, I agree. This is so clear, you know, but again, yet again, 
we have this in the scripture. This Thank is from God God's word for Brother Truman. Amen. Amen. <laughs> you brother. know, breaking it down like this and and so uh, eloquently. But man, this is exactly what the Bible says about this issue. It just brings a little, you know, more clarity. The gospel is enough. Amen. We, we can understand it and we can recommunicate what we understand to be true of God's word. Back to this piece. Of course, that applies beyond the issue of gay marriage. And I love that he goes here mm -hmm. because this is important. Yeah. A marriage involving somebody who has not divorced a previous spouse for biblical reasons mm. involves that person entering into an adulterous relationship. Mm -hmm. No Christian should knowingly attend such a ceremony either. As Francesca Murphy declared at First Things some years ago, to lose sight of the religious dimension of marriage risks allowing people to commit blasphemy against themselves yep. and against God. That means Christians have a moral responsibility to stern, stand firm on this issue. Mm. We fool ourselves if we think the bride and groom as individuals are the most significant part of any wedding. Mm. They are not. Right. What their union symbolizes with regard to Christ and the church is far more important. Yeah, I'm glad he brought up that scenario, too, that, you know, as um, marrying someone who's not who's divorced, but mm -hmm. not in a biblical way, because that is where we have given up the ground. Mm -hmm. That's why we are where we are now, mm -hmm. because those type of moves of not uh, honoring uh, biblical marriage and, and honoring how God's design Amen. has brought us to now there's questions about, should we go to a, a homosexual wedding, which is fake. It's not even a thing, mm -hmm. you know, it's, that's not a marriage. And so by, by giving up ground back there, we, we end up here. I want to stay there for a second with the point that you're making, because I think it's so important for us as Christians to understand that when the enemy comes to steal a morsel, he has the entire loaf in sight. Mm. And so we have over the years as Christians, we have given up morsels and we've not even been aware of the way that we have kind of chinked away at the foundation of the faith. Mm -hmm. Whenever we take things that seem innocuous on the surface, but they are a departure from scripture. Mm -hmm. What we are actually setting ourselves up for down the line is for a quantum leap mm -hmm. away from the authoritative word of God. And that's exactly the point that Carl Truman is making here. So when people ask questions, they say, well, what about this? What about this? Your response, my response, mm -hmm. our response mm -hmm. must always be, well, let's see what God's word says. Amen. Let's Amen. see what, what God's word says. Now, look, this, this is a question even... <laughs> You know, and we want to be very careful here, but we've been invited to attend weddings that are between heterosexuals, but we don't believe that they are biblical and the persons are professing to be Christians, but they are departing from God's word. We cannot agree with that. Right. So, so we say no. Right. And I know, listen, I, I can, <laughs> I can almost read the comments. Oh, you holier than thou. No, these are people who fear God. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. And I already told you everything that you say about the Christian is true. <laughs> right, the Christian right. has already publicly acknowledged that right before going under the water. Yeah. Okay. Like we're like, I was all of those things. Okay. But if we want to have a, a strong, um, sexual ethic, if we want to have a strong, um, ethic, as far as marriage is concerned, then we will return to the word of God. Yeah. And we'll say the hard things. Right. And, and we'll do these, the hard things. And we'll do the hard things. It's not easy to say, you know, or to not go. You know what I'm saying? In, in a situation where you feel like, man, this is someone who's close to me. And this and that. When you, when you know, and, and when you know, and especially when you know the other person knows, yeah. it's kind of like, well, we're not going to agree on this. I can't do what the Bible is forbidding me. That's right. And so, man, this, this is, this is, these are the things that bring about 
the the hard times. Yes. You know, and these are the things that we have to be culture proof. Yeah. You know, because once again, the culture would say, oh, man, you know, people get divorced all the time. You know, man, they just grew apart. Mm. We have to hold to the scripture. There's a biblical uh, reason for divorce. And it's not as easy as the world makes it. Mm-hmm. But when we allow the culture to come in seep into the church and we are not culture proof mm-hmm. we get what we have today man you know i was i went back and um grabbed ryan t anderson's book truth overruled he wrote this book in 2015 after the obergefell decision and there's something that he writes in the decision or in this book about the decision that i think is so important um he says and let me let me see i wrote it down um he wrote that the Supreme Court's ruling in Obergefell didn't expand marriage, it redefined it. So in other words, you cannot expand, you can't give greater category for mm-hmm. this one thing. You have created something totally different when you say that marriage is two men or two women or maybe a thruple. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe it's three people. You have now redefined it. And and there's a there's an uh, a quote in this book that I thought, man, it's so chilling to read, but I wanted to read it again, especially in light of the conversation that we are having these days over whether or not the enemy means to dismantle our understanding of marriage. Like, I don't know that people would say that aloud, but I think sometimes when we ask the question, can I attend a so-called gay wedding or an LGBT uh, ceremony? Can I do these things? What we are asking is, is this sin? And I think in, you know, in our subconscious, we are also asking, um, and will this redefine marriage? Am I, am I agreeing Hmm. to it? Hmm. Um, Let's go back to some of the people who wanted um, a redefinition of marriage. They actually didn't just want marriage to be redefined. They wanted it to be dismantled. So so let me read this. Okay, so looking at Ryan T. Anderson's uh, book from um, 2015. He writes this, this is not simply an opinion held by opponents of same-sex marriage. Consider these candid remarks of the writer and gay rights activist Masha Gessen from 2012. Now listen to what she writes. It's a no-brainer that same-sex couples should have the right to marry. But I also think equally that it's a no-brainer that the institution of marriage should not exist. Hmm. Fighting for gay marriage generally involves lying about what we are going to do with marriage when we get there because we lie that the institution of marriage is not going to change. That is a lie. The institution of marriage is going to change and it should change. And again, I don't think it should exist. And I don't like taking part in creating fictions about my life. That is sort of not what I had in mind when I came out 30 years ago. I have three kids. Now listen to this. I have three kids who have five parents, more or less, and I don't see why they shouldn't have five parents legally. I met my new partner and she just had a baby and that baby's biological father is my brother and my daughter's biological father is a man who lives in Russia and my adopted son also considers him his father. So the five parents break down into two groups of three. And really, I would like to have I would like to live in a legal system that is capable of reflecting that reality. And I don't think that's compatible with the institution of marriage. Mm. <laughs> oh, wow. 
What is Masha Gessen saying? <laughs> yeah. We need to be honest about what we want. This was back in 2012. Wow. We need to be honest about what we want to do with marriage. We don't want to expand it. We we don't want to even redefine it. Like we actually want to dismantle it. Mm. We we want marriage to be whatever we want it to be. The question then becomes for the Christian, can we affirm that? Can we be complicit in that. Can we add our support to that sentiment? Mm, a resounding no. A resounding no. And just you reading that highlights the confusion that is brought about, you know, in this whole issue. Man, you know, we have to, again, and I keep coming back to this, and we keep coming back to this because this is something that we have highlighted over the years, that we have the straight edge of Scripture. Amen. And because we have it, praise God, because we have the Word of God, we don't have to question these uh, things that's happening today. We only question because we have something that's a, a deficit within our hearts mm -hmm. that maybe we want to, you know, uh, just be loving or not be ostracized. Mm -hmm. You know, we have to deal with that with God. If, the, if we're man pleasers or we want, you know, just not to be in a bad light, but we have no excuse. We have the word of God. It's not going to be easy all the way, always to stand on this, but we have to stand on. This is what we have. Amen. So when these questions arise, you know, I'm like, man, we try to make them so hard, but they're really simple. They're really simple. If we, if we follow the word of God, you know, and I, I, I believe that. Pastors and leaders are so, under so much pressure. You know, I'm just thinking about the situation recent, recently with uh, Pastor Beg. I, I, I feel like, again, I feel like he knows this mm -hmm. stuff. Like, he, come on. He's talked about this, you know. But again, we have to be culture proof. Amen. If, if at one point we, we, we let our guards down, it will seep in. Mm -hmm. It will happen. And so we have to uh, be vigilant about these issues. Let me just wrap up here uh, with this Carl Truman piece before we wrap up the podcast. Uh, mm -hmm. Carl Truman writes this, whatever the alleged gains that might be made by showing the couple a morally amorphous form of love or by avoiding giving offense, the price of attendance is huge. Much has been made of the perplexity sown by the Pope's recent statement about blessing gay couples. Just as momentous for individuals and churches could be the confusion sown by a failure to think clearly about attending gay weddings. After all, attendance so as to show love or avoid giving offense is a form of blessing just without the name. Mm. In short, attending a gay wedding involves remaining silent when one should speak. It involves a concession on bodily sex that undermines any attempt to hold fast to the importance of the biological distinction between men and women. And it involves approving of a ceremony that makes a mockery of a central New Testament teaching and of Christ himself. That's a very high price tag for avoiding hurting someone's feelings. And if Christians still think it worth paying, the future of the church is bleak indeed. Mm. I don't think it's worth wow. paying. I, I, I think Jesus is worthy. And I think this illustration of Christ in the church through marriage and what that symbolizes, I think is very clear in scripture and um, just not wanting to offend someone or just wanting to preserve a relationship, um, you know, horizontally is not worth risking mm. um, blaspheming or being untrue to our relationship vertically. Amen. I think that remains important. Amen. When we resist those cultural trends that rival the truth, we remain culture-proof. Until next time, Lord willing. God bless.